Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Right now at Total Beverage, they're offering an exclusive deal for BSN listeners. You guys can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10, BSN10. Again, use promo code BSN10 and you can save $10 off a $50 order or more for all your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. Of course, Total Beverage makes it super convenient. You can have all your liquor, wine, beer, spirits delivered to your house, to your apartment, to your office, anywhere you want in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure to check those guys out. Also, I want to remind you guys about the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. we got a couple calls that we're going to get to momentarily. 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you guys have never called up before, all it is, it's a voicemail, so just leave your name, leave where you're calling from, leave a question for the show. Like I said, we got two we'll get to today. I will play those at the end of the program, but... What I thought we would do today, we got an off day here in between games. The Nuggets flew to Utah Tuesday afternoon following practice. They've got a high-stakes nationally televised showdown with the Jazz Wednesday night in Salt Lake City. So on this off day today, I thought we would look ahead to the trade deadline here. In a couple weeks, is Denver going to be a buyer or a seller? Are they going to stand pat? I've got five names that I picked out from across the league that I think Denver could target here at the upcoming trade deadline. I'll get to those in a minute. But I guess the first question I've got for you, Christian, is how do you view the Nuggets heading into this trade deadline? Do you view them as a team who's maybe in play to make a big splash? Do you view them as a team that's going to stand pat totally or... Could you see them making a little move here or there to try to bolster this roster for the upcoming playoffs? How do you kind of view their mindset heading into this thing? Well, I think they could be a team that makes a big splash, but I think they're going to be a team that could make a big splash with the guys that are already on their roster. 
Um, as, as much success as, as the Nuggets have had this first half of the season, you know, their game out of first place in the Western Conference, we just haven't seen what this team looks like at full strength. It's, it's pretty remarkable that they're in this position um, with Will Barton missing 38 games, with Gary Harris missing significant time, Paul yeah. Millsap missing eight games. We've only seen the starting lineup for a game and a half. That's it. And the numbers on the starting five of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic are dynamite this season and last. And Through two games. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe like eight if you add it all up. But sure. I mean, I think they got a chance to be a really special starting group. So, no, I mean, I, I think that anyone you talk to on the team, they love what they already have. I, I don't I don't anticipate any big shakeups or anything like that from coming from outside. But if I'm a fan and I look at this Nuggets team right now and I say, wow, they're exceeding expectations. They're the two seed in the West right now. They have a real legit chance. And I was looking at the numbers around this today. They got a real legit chance at staying at the two spot for the rest of the season. I think there's a high probability that they finish the regular season as the second best team in the West. Why don't they go all in? Why don't they try to make a huge splash? Why don't they try to turn three of their younger assets, three of their bench guys into one big time trade deadline acquisition and really go all in for this thing? Golden State, yeah, they're still there. But other than that, Nuggets could be the second best team in the West. Why don't they go all in? Uh, I mean, you got to wait out Golden State, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and what the Nuggets have, I mean, is working. They're clearly on an upward trajectory. They've taken one step every year under Michael Blone. I think this year they've taken two steps forward. So, I mean, I guess the hope is that if you just let this group continue to grow together and see what you have in Jared Vanderbilt, see what you have in Michael Porter Jr. down the road, then... You know, I think the ceiling with this group is, is a team that can reach the NBA Finals with what they've already got in the roster. And what I would say to that question, it's kind of along the lines of what you said there. This team is already a year ahead of schedule, right? I think a lot of us, you and I included, expected this jump to happen probably next year. I don't think we expected it to happen this year and, and happen this fast. So I, I say they're one year ahead of schedule, and you know, that would mean I wouldn't make any drastic changes. I would try to ride this thing out, and like I said, I think there's a good chance they finish second in the West, maybe third or fourth. There's a really good shot they get home court advantage in the first round. And you know, if you can win a playoff series, that's a smashing success for this organization this year. If you win a first-round playoff series, and I know expectations have kind of shifted here with Denver at the top of the West for most of the year, but if you're able to win your first-round playoff series, if you're the Nuggets this year, that is a huge accomplishment for this team, and the rest after that is just cake. So I wouldn't go ahead and be making all these moves like I'm this win-now contender because, yeah, Denver can do some damage this year, but... They've still got to take the long view, I think, because they are a year ahead of schedule. Yeah, and you know, you're going to have Nicole Jokic, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray locked up for, I don't know, the next four or five years or so. Why shorten that window? I mean, if you've got those three guys under contract, you've got some really interesting you know, supporting pieces around those guys. Why shorten that window? I mean, these next five years have the chance to be really, really special in Denver without them doing anything crazy. So uh, I, I just want to see them play it out. And I, I think, you know, winning a playoff series would be a great accomplishment for this team. And I think it's very much within the realm of possibility. All right, good. So I think we're both in agreement. 
Denver isn't really in the position. Well, they technically could be in the position to make a big splash if they wanted to. I don't think any of us anticipate that to happen. I don't think they're trading a Jamal Murray, a Gary Harris, the deadline. I don't think they're moving on from any one of their starters here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, when I walked in, you were playing with the trade machine, trying to figure out ways to get Joe Harris here. Joe Harris is having a great season for them. He's not going to be a nugget here. Christian, you just walked in on the homepage to my computer screen. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Jeez, man. Easy mistake to make. Have a little privacy here. (laughs) Although, I did try to put Joe Harris in the trade machine. Not going to (laughs) lie. I don't think Brooklyn's going to give him up. What kind of player do we think the Nuggets could target? Because, like I said, we're in agreement. I don't think Denver's going to make waves with this. With this trade deadline, I think it could be a pretty similar one to what we saw last year for the Nuggets, where they make one move and they acquire one rotation player like they did last year with Devin Harris. What kind of player would you see the Nuggets going after? Because I think they could make a small move, a minor move to bolster the rotation ahead of the playoffs. You can never have too many rotation guys when it comes to the playoffs who are experienced, who can add multiple different things to your team. Give me a position, give me a, a skill set, archetype of player that you think Denver could look at at this trade deadline. Yeah, when I look at up and down this Nuggets roster, and I'm just looking at the skills that might be lacking. There, there aren't very many, uh, first of all. This is, this is such a deep, talented team. I mean, guys that are that are really good players, I think when, when everybody gets back to full strength, just aren't going to play that much. But I would say the one area that could be enhanced a little bit is defending you know other talented forwards um will barton is going to be this team's starting small forward once he gets back to 100 percent um you know will barton is probably an a- below average defender um tory craig i think does a really solid job um you can throw him in on those those kevin durant types those paul george types um malik beasley is probably a little undersized to guard those you know elite small forwards in the nba but he can do a bang-up job so you know, maybe just another body to throw at, you know, the elite small forward that you might encounter in the playoffs or something like that. Yeah, I got bad news for you though. There's no six eleven small forwards out there on the trade block. That's that true. can match up with the Kevin Durant. I mean, you just need like six six and bulky. Right. There's Dorian Finney-Smith. I think he might be available <laughs> in Dallas, but I, I'm not sure if he could crack this Nuggets rotation, even though he is six ten, six eleven. Yeah, I mean. Just another body. I mean, they're they're pretty short on on wing defenders. I would say. Yeah, when I look at this roster, I agree. They're stacked. They're pretty much too deep at every position when everybody's healthy. They're really ten deep across the board, maybe even eleven deep. There's not a lot of holes with this roster. We know that they got a lot of shooting. They've got versatility. They don't have a ton of wing defenders, like you mentioned. I think that's a valid point. They've got a nice amount of bigs here. They've really got four bigs that are all NBA rotation caliber in Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, and Trey Lyles, who's seen his minutes wane here over the last couple of months. But, I mean, when I look at this team and if I'm prepping for a potential playoff run, I want wings. I want wings who can shoot the ball from three. Seems like you can never have enough guys like that in the playoffs. If they can play defense, if they can lock down their man, I think that's an added bonus. So, I mean, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm scanning the league right now for sellers. I'm scanning the league, looking at lottery teams who might have some small forwards, some shooting guards, some guys who can play the two and three that can not only shoot the three and provide a little bit of versatility for you, 
uh, but also defend their position. So, I mean, that's the archetype of player I'm looking at if I'm the Nuggets. And, I mean, I'm looking towards maybe the Eastern Conference, some of the lottery teams there, some of the teams looking to get off some money, and um, maybe some sellers. And I think it's pretty interesting how that report comes out just as we started recording here that the Memphis Grizzlies are interested in trading off Mike Conley and Marcus All because there's actually a couple other guys on Memphis I'm looking at. But before I get to those names, we got to take a break real quick. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast right after this. When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado, and Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Keg House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's, it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits, so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs. It feels like it's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Keg House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today. And don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here giving an early trade deadline preview for the Nuggets to trade deadline in a couple weeks, February 7th, I believe. Uh, so we're going over this team and where their mindset might be entering this point in the season. I've got five names that I'm ready to throw at you. I want to see if any of them get you excited. Uh, so we'll go through those names and the type of players I think Denver might look to acquire. Then at the end, we'll get to some news here from Nuggets practice on Tuesday. Jared Vanderbilt spoke with the media, the Nuggets talented second round draft pick from this last summer, who hasn't played at all this season, of course, recovering from foot surgery. He's been upgraded to questionable for this game in Utah. We'll talk about what type of player he is, what to really expect from him this year. First guy on my list. You ready for this one? Oh, I, I could not be more excited. I can feel the anticipation. It's a big trade deadline. Rodney Magruder. Okay. Miami Heat wing shoots in the high 30s from three, 9.2 points per game, shoots 37% from three to be exact. Six foot four. So he's really a two. He can play some three, not that big, but is a sharpshooter, a good mover without the ball on the perimeter from a good system, from a good culture in Miami. That's the first name on my list. What are your thoughts? Oof, I think that's okay. I mean, he, he's six foot four, two hundred pounds. That's kind of like a Malik Beasley build. I mean, Malik's probably even a little bit bigger than that. So, I mean, he's, he's more of a shooting guard than a, a small forward. Mm -hmm. um, it makes a little bit of sense. I think you know, coming from the Heat and what they do, he would fit in pretty well uh, with what Denver is trying to do. Uh, per Basketball Reference, his nickname is the Scavenger. Did yeah, you, I were saw you aware that. Of that. I saw that when I looked up his stats on Basketball Reference before we started recording. I'm just going to assume that that has to do with offensive rebounding. I mean, he's a pretty decent offensive rebounder. <laughs> that's um, a good. But that's a good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There might there might be something else there. I th I think that's okay. Probably a little undersized though. 
Yeah, not ideal. Like I said, there's not a lot of guys on these lottery-bound teams and sellers throughout the league that you look at and say, wow, this is, you know, your 6-7, 3-and-D win because teams aren't exactly looking to give those guys up this time of year. Uh, staying in Miami, though, second player on my list is a guy who I've actually seen some reporting come out that there are a bunch of teams interested in this guy. Maybe the Nuggets are one of them. Deion Waiters? <laughs> Hell no. A Wayne Ellington, another Ooh. high 30s shooter from three, 37% to be exact, six foot five, maybe an inch or two taller than Rodney Magruder, 31 years old, averaging 7.9 points per game for the Heat this year. Another guy who would play the two or the three for Denver in their bench lineup can shoot the lights out from three, high IQ player. What do you think of Wayne Ellington? I think that Wayne Ellington would make a lot of three-pointers. Uh, yes, he would. If he were to come to Denver and get passes from Nikola Jokic and play in this equal opportunity offense. Um, I mean, I, I like Wayne Ellington a lot, actually. I'm, I'm a pretty big Wayne Ellington fan. He killed Denver in, in that game, uh, that double overtime game in Miami last mm-hmm. year. But as much as I like him, I still view Wancho and Malik Beasley as more attractive options as him. I mean... You know, if he's cool with just getting some DNP CDs and filling in if a guy's hurt here or there, then then yeah. But, uh, I mean, I still think Malik and Wancho, I mean, I, I view them more highly than uh, Wayne Ellington. I agree. You're definitely, if you were to acquire a guy like a Magruder or a Wayne Ellington, I think you're still playing Beasley and Wancho well over them. It's just for depth and uh, for the playoffs. You know, if one of those guys goes into a cold streak, maybe you pop Ellington off the bench and he can hit a couple threes from you. Wayne Ellington getting up six threes per game in 21 minutes. That is some chucking. Check out his two-point percentage, though. Not all that hot. He's shooting 37% <laughs> from three, 31% from two. Not quite sure what's going on there. He's shooting six threes a game and one two-pointer a game. That is yeah. incredible. It's my type of player, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. This That's pretty 2019 thing right there the issue with Ellington could be his contract he's got that right of refusal in his uh contract so he technically has a kind of a no trade clause type thing he could look at Denver and say exactly what I just said like all right I'm probably going to be behind Malik Beasley probably going to be behind Juan Turinon Gomez at that wing shooter position I don't know how much I'm going to play maybe I'd rather go to the Lakers you know yeah he would he would make some sense on the Lakers man that would make a lot of sense actually All right, should we move on here? I'm really excited about these last three. Next up, a more natural power forward from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He has a player option for next season, which I'd be a little worried about because he's probably going to pick it up. Uh, He's steady, a little underutilized in OKC, only averaging 14 and a half minutes per game. But this would be a guy who Denver could pick up if they want to sure up their interior. Also a guy who can step out and shoot the three a little bit. Patrick Patterson, 4.1 points per game this year, 2.4 rebounds, not really playing that much, but he's been solid for a lot of his career. Maybe not being used the best way in Oklahoma City with that isolation offense. What do you think of him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's okay. Patrick Patterson is not shooting the three as well this year as he has in the past. He's at just 33.6% from deep on 2.5 attempts per game. I mean... You know, he's a guy who is probably going to exclusively play power forward. I don't I don't yeah. really think you can stick him in there at small forward. Oh, no, he's a four. He's a true yeah. four, even a five. 
Yeah, and you know, I I don't think the Nuggets really need a, a whole lot of help. Um, you know, either at power forward or, or center or anything like that. They've they've pretty much got that covered. So, um, yeah, I mean, not really in love with that one. Um, All right, and also, shot that one down too. Do you think okay. do you think the Nuggets will ever make a trade within division in the Tim Connolly era again? Even even for like you know Patrick Patterson or a minor insignificant one. I mean, I don't know. I know they've been burned by it before, but I don't think you can really operate off of that philosophy. I don't think you can be scared to make a trade with somebody in your division just because a deal in the past didn't work out well. Yeah. I don't think you can live by that, no. So I do. So I would expect them to make a trade in the division again. Or I guess I'd say I wouldn't expect them to be scared or you know, not want to make that trade in the division. Yeah, and they got burned in the short term on the Yusuf Nurkic thing, but it's worked out really well for both parties in the long term. So, oh yeah, that's a huge, that's a win-win for Denver and Portland in the long term. That's a really good trade for the Nuggets. Looking back on it, all right, moving on here. You haven't really liked many of these. Maybe these last two will uh, change your tune. It's because this roster is so good as is. <laughs> I'd save my best two for last though, and they're both from the Memphis Grizzlies, a team who's looking to get rid of Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, a team who's clearly looking to keep that I think top five protected pick Justin Holiday 10.4 points per game 6-6 shooting guard small forward career 35% shooter from three rangy versatile brother of Aaron Holiday brother of Drew what do you think of Justin Holiday Justin Holiday can shoot the heck out of the ball I mean I got to give him credit for that um I think that's okay actually um I don't I don't dislike that one as other previous ones, I'm sure Memphis would love to get a look at Trey Lyles, to be honest with you, because, you know, you could slide Jaron over to the five. I think Trey could fit in pretty decent next to Jaron Jackson Jr. at power forward. I'm sure they would love to get a look at him. Um, but, yeah, that's better than the last ones. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Holiday for Lyles, what, what do you think about that return for Denver? I mean, I think Holiday's a better player now it's tough because Lyles is still very useful. Lyles can still give you good minutes. He can still knock down threes from time to time. He can still give you a lot. And he's been in the system for a couple of years now. So you know what you're getting with him uh, in the locker room and whatnot. But I mean, Holiday's a high character guy. I think Holiday's the better player in, uh, in the aggregate. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think it's okay. I don't know. I would, I would have to dig a little bit on that one, but. It's, it's better than the previous ones. <laughs> All right. Not going great here. Saving the best for last. Garrett Temple, also from Memphis. Hey, that's Gary Bartholomew Temple to you. <laughs> Garrett Temple shooting in the high 30s, mid to high 30s from three. Competent defender, six foot six. Tenth in defensive RPM for shooting guards, 9.7 points per game for Memphis. All right, I think this is one I can finally get behind. Okay, I feel pretty good about this one. I would, I would feel like that's a pretty good return. Um, you know, if you're if you're sending Trey away, um, a guy who you know has decent size for a small forward. I mean, he's got the build of a, a natural small forward, six foot six, hundred ninety five pounds, um, competent three point shooter, pretty good defender. Uh, I think he definitely fits the bill of what you're looking for, if anything, if you're Denver. Yeah, so let me know what you guys think. Um, maybe you have a higher opinion of those guys than Christian does. But hit up the Total Beverage <laughs> Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. I want to know what you guys think. Again, I'm not in love with any of these. Look, if I had to 
actually pull the trigger on some of these trades. Not sure I would do it, but I thought it was some interesting names that I just came up with here briefly before we started recording that I wanted to get your opinion on. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking up and down this Nuggets roster, the guy most likely to be included a trade, if at all, is probably Trey Lyles. You know, there's a lot of candidates to fill in at those backup power forward minutes already on this roster. Wancho Hernan Gomez is one of those guys. Um, Lyles is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. So, you know, you're looking at having to match that offer and make a decision there. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think there is any chance the Nuggets look at an Isaiah Thomas trade? I was thinking about it on my ride over here. Um, maybe IT for a second rounder to one of the East teams that are that are really pushing hard to make the playoffs, like a Detroit Pistons team that's 24th in defensive rating. They have Ish Smith at backup point guard right now, but he's hurt. Or maybe a team like the Orlando Magic. They're starting DJ Augustine at, at point guard. They yeah. could probably use a little firepower off the bench and – you just get a second rounder back, but second rounders have uh, been pretty good under this regime, this Denver Nuggets uh, front office. It's interesting for sure. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is an unknown still to me, to the Nuggets, I think. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect from him when he does get back, whenever that is. If that's around the All-Star break, if that's in late February and that's in early March, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I'm not sure the Nuggets really do either. Um, is there a chance they trade him? I guess there's always a chance, right? Yeah, there always is. And, you know, I, I wonder if Isaiah would view that as doing him dirty or, or something like that. We know that the Nuggets really place a high priority on treating guys well. It's it's important to, to them to, to have good relationships, even with guys who – aren't on their team anymore. They try to do right by guys. I think Denver would love to give Isaiah Thomas the chance. I think they want to give him the chance to come back from injury in a Nuggets uniform. But the problem is, you know, he's probably not going to return here until after the deadline. So, right, you'd have to make a decision on that before he even gets back. I just kind of get the sense that they want to see him at least play a little this season in a Nuggets uniform. And then obviously who knows what happens going forward. He's probably on a different team elsewhere. But I almost viewed Isaiah Thomas as this team's big trade deadline acquisition, to be honest. I'm not sure there's a huge likelihood Denver really seriously thinks about acquiring anybody from anywhere else in the league. I think there's a big chance that Denver looks at Isaiah Thomas as their big trade deadline acquisition, a guy who can come in and give them consistent minutes over the last couple months of the season, a guy who's te technically on the roster, but of course not on the court right now. And you know, I think there are some who think he can really come in here and make a difference for this team. If nothing else, he's a, just a good weapon you could pull out during the playoffs. If, if things aren't going your way, like F it, let's throw IT out there and see if he can provide a spark or something like that. I mean, yeah, the problem is, you know, by the time Isaiah comes back, he's not going to have played a game in 11 months, and the guy in front of him, Monte Morris, has a 1,000-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, and it is just amazing, um, better than anyone anticipated. So it's it's tough, man. It's it's a really tough situation. But I think yeah. the playoffs could be a different story, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I you look at you. Isaiah Thomas as a guy who's battle-tested in the playoffs, and you look at Monte Morris for – However solid he's been this year, and I'm a bigger Monte Morris fan than anybody, but 
maybe Isaiah Thomas's experience, his playoff moxie, his one-on-one playmaking ability is tailor-made for this Nuggets team in the playoffs. I mean, Paul Millsap and Isaiah Thomas are the only guys that have played significant minutes in the playoffs, right? Like Will Barton was on some playoff teams, but he was really a bench player. That Mason Plumlee's played significant minutes yeah. in the playoffs for That's those right. Nets teams and the, the Blazers before. But yeah, other than that, not really anybody else. So one of one of three guys in this roster who's knows what it means to, to be in a rotation come playoff time. Yeah, so I guess to put a cap on this trade deadline discussion here or a preview to the trade deadline in a couple weeks to sum everything up. I don't think Denver is going to be super active. They could make look to make a small move here or there, but with how their roster is situated right now, particularly with their salaries, you know, they're not going to move a Mason Plumley, who's their one bench player who's making a lot of money now that you could use to go get a high priced guy. They're not going to move Mason Plumley. They're not going to move anybody else in their starting lineup can't see them moving Malik Beasley with how well he's played this year. They're not going to move Wancho, I don't believe. And so that really leaves you with Trey Lyles and a Tyler Lydon package to go out and see how good of a return you can get on that. And even with Lyles, I could see a big argument for wanting to keep him here. He's a guy who, yeah, he hasn't shot the ball well from three this year, but he can still give you consistent minutes. You know what you're getting from in the locker room. And hey, He's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. That doesn't mean that a team is going to throw out a huge offer sheet for him, right? How many times have we seen restricted free agents over the last couple of years really struggle to sign big-time offer sheets? So maybe Denver can get Trey Lyles back on a discount next year. Yeah, it's it's very likely. We know that Trey Lyles really enjoys being in Denver. Um, he's a big fan of the team, big fan of the city. So, yeah, I mean, he's really the only guy to monitor. Um Garrett Temple was really the only name that made me perk up on that list. Damn. All right. I'll go oh. back to the drawing board. Try again next week. <laughs> All right, then. So, yeah, maybe Isaiah Thomas is this team's main trade deadline acquisition. And, hey, like you said at the top of the show, we haven't seen this starting lineup since the second game of the season. Michael Malone said at practice here on Tuesday that Gary and Will are not going to return to that starting lineup until they get those minute restrictions lifted into the 20s his argument and I thought it was a pretty sound one he doesn't want to start Gary and then have to pull him on the floor let that hamstring get tight he'd rather just play him at the end of the first quarter with the bench unit and continuously play him at the end of the first quarter into the beginning of the second quarter so I thought that made sense so those guys are probably not going to be back in the starting lineup for a couple more games I would guess maybe that's your big trade deadline acquisition to actually getting you're starting five together and seeing what those guys can do as a unit. Let's go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we got a question about Jared Vanderbilt. He spoke with the media today after Nuggets practice for the first time all season, which means he's nearing a return. We'll discuss what he can bring to the table on the other side. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer 
whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage, Tuesday edition of the show. Let's get to Jared Vanderbilt. We got a question from the Total Beverage fan hotline that set us up for this discussion, so let's go there right now. Hey, BSN guys. This is Kyle from Vancouver. I've uh, been enjoying the show for a while and thought I'd finally call in. I, uh, I've been looking at the Nuggets injury report from today. And I saw that Jared Vanderbilt was finally upgraded to questionable after his foot surgery over the offseason. As we finally are getting the full Nuggets roster back to full health here, what do you think I should be able to expect this season from Jared Vanderbilt? How do you think they add him into the roster and give him some minutes? Or is he just going to be coming off the bench at the end of games? Would love to hear what you guys think. And of course, go Nuggets. All right, Kyle. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for calling in. Jared Vanderbilt. He's finally back. He's finally healthy. One of the more hype second-round picks of the Tim Connolly era. I think there's a lot to be excited about with this guy. 6'9", rangy, pound-for-pound, statistically one of the best rebounders that's ever come across the college ranks. He was the best rebounder statistically in the draft last year. He didn't play a ton at Kentucky. He got hurt, but when he was on the floor, I think he played like 16, 17 games at Kentucky. He was an absolute beast on the boards. Kind of reminds me of a couple guys, Pascal Siakam and Lamar Odom without as good of a jump shot. He can kind of play make a little with the ball in his hands. He didn't do this at Kentucky, but going back to his high school days in Houston, he could lead the break. He could facilitate. He could dribble the ball on the open floor, get up and down the court. So that's kind of the uh, Siakam and Lamar Odom com- comparison right there. His shot, though, it's a work in progress. He's been working with Mark Price every day on his free throws, on his form shooting. So that's where he's really got to get better. But a really exciting, versatile prospect for Denver. And he's also really skilled defensively. Like I mentioned, he's unbelievable on the glass. So maybe long-term, a nice fit next to Nicole Jokic. But those are kind of the things you got to know about Jared Vanderbilt. Going back to the draft and from thinking about him this year, what has you excited about Vanderbilt? Yeah, just watching this guy's you know film from from high school and what he was able to do in a limited amount of time at Kentucky. The way this guy moves is special for a guy who's, who's six foot eight, six foot nine. I mean, he moves like a guard. He moves like a forward. He he doesn't move like you know a stilted power forward out there. This guy gets up down the court quick. He changes direction quickly. Um, he's an explosive athlete, so I think that you know when you're projecting a ceiling that Pascal Siakam is a is a pretty fair comp. Um, Pascal Siakam is a guy with came in with a shaky jumper. I think it's just okay now. You know, yeah, it's like 32 percent from three. Yeah, I mean, defenses still play really far off of him, but he's a guy who can put the ball on the floor like that. Um, I think he's a guy who has a pretty good motor. Um, you know, when Vanderbilt was on the floor, Kentucky grabbed one out of every four rebounds available to him. That's that's pretty remarkable. I, I think Tim Connolly said on, on draft night that 
he posted rebounding numbers that they'd never seen before. Um, Tim Connolly has, has been around for a while evaluating talent, so that really stuck out to me. I mean, if if Jared Vanderbilt hits, um, I mean, if he, if he flourishes in this system, he really could be the power forward of the future. I mean, he yeah. could be an answer there. For sure. And I mean, big guys with foot with foot problems, that's a scary notion. Um, but he's young. Yeah, we'll see how he bounces back, see if he can stay healthy. He's on this mini road trip, this one-game trip with Denver here to Utah. He's questionable for the game on Wednesday. I don't really expect him to play or anything, but Denver probably you know, just wants to bring him along slowly, of course, and maybe get a couple more practices under his belt now that he's participating in practice. And I would predict, and I'm pretty sure of this, that he'll be sent down to the G League at some point here pretty soon. And that's really where you're going to see his most of his minutes come this year. And I'm excited because this is a guy who I think could put up huge numbers in the G League just with his frame and his skill set and his athleticism. You could see a lot of, I'd say, maybe like 15 and 12 games with Jared Vanderbilt, a couple blocks, a couple steals, a couple assists thrown in there. He's an exciting prospect. What I remember from draft night is Nuggets were ecstatic about getting Michael Porter at 14. They were really excited to take him there. They might have been even more excited if they got Jared Vanderbilt in the 40s. He was a guy who they valued really highly, and they actually traded up to get him, if you remember, a couple spots. So he's a guy Denver is really excited about. I'm not sure how much he's going to help the Nuggets at the NBA level this year. Obviously, things can change. He can be a really quick learner. He can come in and blow expectations out of the water, but he could play really well in the G League. And like you said, he fits well next to Nikola Jokic from a rebounding and from an athleticism and defensive standpoint. Maybe he's the power forward of the future. So exciting times for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be monitoring what what he's able to do this year if, if he does go down to the G League. I'm with you. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a rotation piece this year. Um, you know, the earliest I could see him challenge for rotation minutes is the start of next year. Yeah. It's great to see him back out in the court. All right, well, I think that just about wraps up today's show. A little mini trade deadline preview. We'll be talking a lot more about the trade deadline as we get closer to February 7th. And a couple notes about Jared Vanderbilt, who got back to practice here with the Nuggets recently and is going to potentially be active, I guess, for this game in Salt Lake City. The Nuggets sent down Brandon Goodwin to the Iowa Wolves, so they could, in theory, activate Vanderbilt for this game. We'll see, uh, but I think that's all we got for today. I know we got some calls we didn't get to. I'm saving those for later in the week. We'll get to them, I promise, but that's all we got for today's show. We'll be back with another episode after this Nuggets game against the Jazz. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. 
Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.